Thanks, Brad. In that picture, I'm not doing a song and dance. I'm actually uh, mutilating this song that I learned in like an hour in Spanish, and everybody was singing it, and it was really funny. I started singing it, and basically all the Dominicans were like, ha, ha, he has no idea. So they started singing it along with me, and so it, it kind of worked out. But uh, that, was, that was a great time. So uh, I say that saying that I went to the D Dominican Republic earlier this summer, had an amazing time, really awesome to see um, our speaker, Miguel Shaw, there uh, sort of in the thick of ministry. Michelle, uh, Miguel Shaw is uh, uh, one of our ministry partners uh, serving in an area um, of San Juan, Dominican Republic, kind of in surrounding areas. And uh, cool story about Miguel. Miguel actually grew up here at Brookside, went on a mission trip in high school uh, to the DR, and really just felt God on that trip just kind of saying, Miguel, you are going to come back here, and you're going to serve me, and you're going you're gonna to spread the gospel. Uh, I mean, what a cool thing. And, and he and his wife, Kristen, and their girls have been there for about 10 years doing exactly that. So it was a, I, I had a wonderful time um, not only just serving and doing ministry and, and building stuff, because that's always fun, but really just getting to see uh, the fruit of what God does in someone's life, you know, um, from a long time ago, uh, right there in front of me. It was, it was a neat thing. So, Miguel, why don't you come on up, and I'm just going to ask you a few questions so that we can all get to know you and sort of what you do down there a little bit more. Thanks, um, Rob. It's great when you're, you're there firsthand, but just since we're not there now. Um, Miguel, so... Or Michelle, if you, or, if or you, Michelle. If you prefer. Yeah. Michelle's good. I like Michelle, actually. <laughs> So it's, it's, that's when you're serving in France later. Yeah, yeah. Um, Miguel. Let's stay with Miguel. I like Miguel. Um, so the uh, part of what we do with you, what Brookside does down there, is we partner with you to, to plant churches. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like? We maybe kind of have an idea of what planting churches looks like in America, but what does that look like, and how does it, what does it mean for us to partner with you in doing that? Sure. So there's this village called Wandules, which is where Brookside is partnering with a pastor named Octavio and his core team. And Wandules is a community that lives, it's about 15, 20 minutes outside of the city of San Juan. And before we started working there, there was not one believer in that community. There was no church, there was no one gathering, and, and there was no one going to preach the gospel there. It was an unreached village. So we found Octavio and his team who, who have a desire to go. They want to be the people that, that kind of establish the church in the name of Jesus in that village. But their obstacle is support. Um, these types of villages are overrun with idolatry and darkness. And, and you don't just go in and do a one-week missions trip or even a one-summer thing. I mean, it's, it takes a while to really get the root of darkness out of there and establish Jesus and the kingdom of God as, as the deep roots of that place. And, and that's a long you know, three to five year process. And so a church, you know, like Octavio and his people, they just don't have the resources to be able to do that, that support. So Brookside comes alongside and says, hey, we want to pray for you guys every single day. We're going to intercede over that work. We're going to come down and join you in labor. And you guys came down and taught them, taught them and changed some ideas about worship and worshiped with them and taught and went house to house in evangelism. And, and that's a huge support, those, those trips. And then the third and final piece to that is, you know, these guys have to travel twice a week to get to that village and then to eat meals and leave meals for their families at home. And these guys all, you know, have day jobs that, that they don't pay enough to do that. So Brookside comes behind and says, hey, we're going to cover your transportation. We're going to provide a meal for you and we're going to pray for you and come alongside you once a year. And that, that's the partnership yeah. in essence. That's awesome. Not to mention the fact that when we go down there, we're working, you know, like you said, we're, we're working in those towns and we're, we're going door to door and meeting people and, and um, doing like, uh, I did a, like a little work, work, worship workshop 
uh, with Pastor Octavio, and uh, it was just cool hearing kind of his ideas on worship, my ideas on worship, and really the one sort of central idea of worship that we, you know, mm. came to a very quick agreement on. It was, it was mm. awesome. So, mm. so, yeah, it's really cool. You mentioned uh, Juan Dules. Uh, Juan Dules, when I was there, very alive, really spiritually awake, fun. I mean, lots of energy. We had a church service, like, uh, in, in the lady's front yard. She has an awning, this, like, big shade tree and that kind of stuff. Um, it seemed like it's sort of been like that for a long time. Is that true, or is it? No, it's not. You'd think that, but really, in two years ago, there was not one believer in that entire community. There was not one light. You know, we are called to be light, and we are, we are children of light, and there was not one light in that community. It was overrun with darkness, and you know, when you talk about darkness, I think one of the easiest ways to see darkness is the way that we treat one another. And in that community, it was rampant with, with alcoholism and drunkenness and abuse and people running around. Infidelity was huge and abuse in the homes and neglect of the children. And just you walk into that place and, man, it would be hard to grow up here. It would be hard to be from this community and know anything but pain and darkness. And that's where it was just two years ago. And so, you know, we've seen as the gospel begins to penetrate and as, as hearts hear about the love of the Father and, and the salvation that, that there is in Jesus and, and that bears fruit in their lives, you start to see individual lives transformed and then marriages transformed and then whole families transformed. And when you get to that level, a community really feels different. It looks different. You don't see that anger and that hate and that violence in the streets. You see love and gentleness and kindness and, and just that type of stuff that only can come from Jesus. So true transformation is happening, and it's still a work in progress. More is coming. That's cool. I, the Two of the people that I really remember were uh, Casilda and her husband. Mm -hmm. Seemed like kind of upcoming leaders in that church and maybe in a church sort of in the area. Um, what's their story? Did they experience some of that darkness, or have they been people, you know, who came and started helping preach and that kind of stuff? So Casilda, her backstory, she, she immigrated from Haiti. Um, and if you know anything about the history there, a, a Haitian person within the Dominican Republic is, is the lowest person that there is. And, and Casilda, like many other Haitians, was ridiculed and mocked and mistreated and, and just called ugly, ugly things. Um, you know, she was abused uh, emotionally, probably physically as well. And, you know, living there singly by herself and, and being surrounded by that, the only solution she could think of was to ending her life. So that was the darkness that she was living in was, why go on? And, and when she was at that place of, of her, you know, deepest darkness, that's when these ladies from the Dominican church planning team started to engage that community. And they said, God loves you. And you, you are not trash. You know, he, through the cross and through his son Jesus, gives you life, and there is hope for you. And so she opened her, her heart to these Dominican women who loved her and said, Jesus is, is here for you. And as she accepted the gospel, you started to see that transformation happen in her. Um, and then, you know, little by little now, you have a marriage that is healthy, that loves one another, that is committed and faithful, which is a radical idea there. Um, they're committed to each other, and they're raising a son in the ways of the Lord. And you know, they are the candidates who the pastor Octavio is looking at saying, you know, in a couple of years, we're going to hand this thing off to people in the local community. And there they are going to be some of the people that continue the banner of raising the church there. That's so cool. You just, uh, the power of the gospel uh, is so visible. Uh, when you can see someone like Cassell or like her husband who are so full of joy and so passionate about ministering to the people in their, like in their town, in their village, uh, to know that 
they were in places of darkness as, as little as two years ago or something. Um, it's obvious what God can do in someone's mm. life. It's cool. Mm. Well, hey, um, I just want to segue to to you uh, bringing the bringing the word here, man. But um, uh, you know, it's it's I think it's neat. Uh, it was first certainly for me to go down to the DR and see uh, Miguel and his family and and their you know their partners around that area in action. I think you know, we can be here at church and we can hear about ministry partners and missionaries and that kind of stuff and maybe not really know even what those people do every day. And to be able to see Miguel in action and, and, and kind of living out that calling that God's placed on his life was, was cool. It was humbling. It was fun. It was great to see the, the kingdom of God, you know, in a, in a much bigger realm than just this one right here. Uh, so it was, it was, Awesome. Uh, with that, let me just, can I just pray for you? And, Please. Yeah, yeah. So, Lord, you have, um, you have uh, given Miguel a, a passion and a burden, God, to, to share your gospel. Um, and so, Lord, thank you so much that you do that and that you have done that and you will continue to do that. Lord, it's, it's good to see that, God, you say, I will call this person to this place for this reason mm. and that you follow through with it. Lord, thanks for Miguel's obedience Jesus. to that. And thank you that, God, uh, he's here with us today. I pray that, Lord, his, his words would be yours. His heart would Jesus. be yours. And that uh, um, we, would, um, we would hear from you today, Lord. In your name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate you. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Um, oh, no, my notes are all unorganized. Well, we're just going to talk about something else today, I guess. Um, it is good to see everyone, and I do appreciate the opportunity, and it's an honor, you know, for Steve and John and these guys to say, hey, Miguel, why don't you share with the church? Um, so that's an honor for me, and I don't take it lightly. Um, and it is good to see many of you, your faces. There's a lot more here than there was first service. This is a little intimidating, so if I'm shy, bear with me. I won't be shy. Um, my mom's over here somewhere. Where's my mom? Hi, Mom. So I have a wonderful mother. I love her and honor her as well. Okay, you guys ready? We're not going to do tons of slides and screens and fancy stuff because I'm old school. So please open your Bible to Luke chapter 4. That's what we're going to do. So Luke chapter 4 is where we're going to go today. And if you have a screen that you turn on and the Bible shows up, you can also turn on your Bible this morning. Um, but Luke chapter 4, verse 16 is where we're going to go. And a backstory to, to this passage is Jesus was baptized in the river. And during his baptism, the Holy Spirit came upon him and filled him. And right away, he was led out into the desert, into the wilderness. For 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. At the end of that, of that time, he, he passed the test and he, he re-engaged in the civilization. So we have Jesus coming back into civilization. This is really the beginning of his ministry. This is where he begins to engage people and, and, and minister to them. So Luke 4, 16, we're going to read it together. You guys ready? Okay. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all of the synagogue were fixed on him. 
And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I think this is a very powerful section of scripture. And when you look at verse 20, the end, the eyes of the entire congregation, everyone, I'm sure maybe half of you are even looking at me right now, less are probably listening, half, not half, whole, every single person in that congregation, their eyes were fixed on Jesus. They were expecting, they were waiting, something was about to happen. In the words that Jesus read, there was something that was incredibly significant. And in the way that he said it, there was something that was incredibly significant. I want us this morning to fix our eyes on this scripture and what is he saying? What does this truly mean? So we're going to do a little line-by-line study of these verses. So 18 through 19 is what we're going to look at. The first says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. So God's very spirit is here. You may ask, where in the world is God's spirit today? Well, it's wherever I am. Where I go, God's spirit is. Because he has anointed me. Anointed. So think of David as a young boy and Samuel the prophet coming and pouring the oil over Samuel's head. He was anointed. He was called. He was the chosen one that God had called and set apart for God's purposes. God had had created that life and called that life for a special purpose. Anointed. So what is this special purpose? What does this anointing mean? In this case, the third line says, to proclaim good news to the poor. Proclaim good news to the poor. There is hope. Your situation of poverty is not the end. You are not stuck. There is hope. Something is coming. Greater life is coming. Freedom is coming for you. There is hope. There is good news for you who are poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. You who are unable to break free of addictions or treating those around you hurtfully, you who are enslaved to being something you hate, there is freedom coming for you. You who are enslaved to sin, captive to sin, held down by chains of sin, freedom is coming to you. And recovery of sight to the blind, for you who are under a cloud, for you who live in darkness and struggle to work through all the lies and see and hold on to light and truth, a light is coming to you. Recovering of your spiritual eyes is coming to you. You will be able to see a way out of that dark place. And not just a recovering of your spiritual eyesight, but a healing of your physical eyesight as well. Did Jesus not literally heal the bodies of the blind? Spiritual and physical healing. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To you who are under bondage, oppressed by a power greater than yourself, held down and beaten by an enemy who hates your very soul. One is coming who is greater than the oppressor and who will decimate the oppressor and set you free from bondage. Freedom is coming to you. Liberty is coming to you who are under the oppressor. And finally, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. All of the goodness of the Lord, his blessings, his promises, all poured out on you. The year of the Lord's favor. All of your debts canceled out. 
joy and feasts of celebration await you. The Lord's favor upon your life. Within these two verses, there's one word that's used three times, and that should, that should catch our attention. And that word is proclaim. To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Proclaim. What does that mean? What does that word mean? Well, I can tell you what it's not. It's not, it's not a quiet, timid, or shy, or hesitant suggestion, or maybe, or an opinion. Proclaim. It is a bold declaration for all to hear. Everyone needs to hear this. You need to hear this thing that is being said. I have conviction in me that you need to hear it. Proclaim for all to hear. Proclaim good news to the poor. Proclaim liberty to the captives. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And right in the middle, right in the middle of of these verses is a verb, sent. He has sent me to proclaim. What does that word mean, sent? That's kind of the title of our our talk today, sent. And I I think about my daughter. She's not with us. She was here first service. But my daughter, Samantha, she's almost seven. And at home in the Dominican often, I'll send her on errands. I'll send her down to the corner store. Hey, Tika, go. Here's 10 pesos. Go and buy 10 pesos of sugar at the corner store and, and bring it back to me. I send her on an errand. Now, Samantha, she does not go on her own account for her own purpose. She goes to do my bidding, right? Now, if if Samantha went to do her own thing, she wouldn't buy 10 pesos of sugar. She'd buy a lollipop or a little juice or something. But she goes to do what I've sent her to do. If you are sent, you go for someone greater than yourself, and you go to do their purpose. Jesus was sent The Spirit sent him to do all of these things. All right, so Jesus, he reads these verses, and the eyes are fixed on him. And the way he reads them, he doesn't read them as as an old dusty scroll from, from Isaiah that's just some prophecy from long ago. He reads them as this thing that is awakening and about to happen right now in their very midst. All of this stuff, freedom for captives, Blindness that is healed and recovered. Freedom from oppression. All of this is about to happen right now in their very midst. And they are expecting and watching him. And Jesus says, I am the fulfillment of this. All of this goodness that is the Lord is about to happen through me, Jesus. The Spirit of God came upon Jesus in his baptism And it sent him to do these different things. And when you read the Gospels in the account of Jesus, you are reading the ministry of the Spirit of God manifested through the life of Jesus. Again, the Spirit, his ministry manifested through Jesus. The ministry of the Spirit of God manifested through through Jesus. And here's the thing, guys. That ministry, it did not end. When Jesus ascended up into heaven, it wasn't, okay, that was it. Now the ministry ended. That wasn't it. In fact, it multiplied. The ministry of the Spirit of God multiplied when Jesus ascended up into heaven because it came down into all of us. 
Don't take my word for it. Ezekiel prophesied and he said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. Paul told the Romans, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. Brothers and sisters, the very spirit of God that descended upon Jesus in the baptism, that sent him out to proclaim liberty to the captives. That very spirit lives inside of you and me. Sometimes you feel it in worship. Sometimes you feel it when you're in prayer. Sometimes you feel it nudging you to speak to someone or reach out to them and pray for them. The spirit of God is live inside of us. And that ministry is still alive today through his church, through you and I. You know, people sometimes, um, they introduce me or refer to me as a missionary. That's kind of a title that I, that I have over me. Um, and I appreciate that gesture. I know that they do so in respect and it's a way that, that, that is honoring. But the truth is, if you look in the scriptures and you read the Bible, the word missionary or missions isn't found once in this entire book. Have I been sent to the Dominican Republic to proclaim Jesus? Absolutely. I believe with all my heart that I have, but no more so than the Spirit of God in you has sent you to the places that you work and with the people that you interact with on a day-to-day basis. You have been sent. I have been sent. If the Spirit of God lives within you, You are sent. You have been sent. For what? For what? What have we been sent for? If we go back then to those verses and that word proclaim, I think that's what it's about, proclaiming. Jesus saves. Jesus heals. Jesus restores. Jesus sets you free. Jesus brings back to life all that was taken from you. Jesus pours out his blessings upon you. Inside of us burns a spirit of proclamation. I need this word to come out. I cannot cannot hold it in. It needs to come out. Proclaim. You know, the pastors here at Brookside have done an incredible job of of equipping us and training us and how to do that. In Acts Acts 1, Jesus said, you know, the, the Holy Spirit will come upon you And you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. And then you will go and be my witnesses. And week after week, month after month, series after series, Steve and Jeff and Tim and the pastors here have been doing an excellent job of equipping and training you to go be his witnesses. I want to take a step back and look and, and do a bird's eye view of Omaha. So imagine we're in Google Earth and we're looking down at the city of Omaha Without us planning or strategizing, God has spread us out throughout the entire city. We live in neighborhoods in North Omaha and South Omaha, out west 
downtown and midtown. God has pressed and we have spread out throughout the entire city of Omaha. And demographically, we work in blue collar, in the white collar fabrics of society. Church, God has sent you. You are there among the people throughout the entire city, throughout all walks of life. You were there. The people are right before you. You have been equipped and trained and taught of how to share your faith, how to go through the gospel, how to give your testimony, how to answer hard questions. I think for most of us, it's not a question of, do I have understanding? It's not a question of, do I know how to do this? I think for a lot of us, it's a question of obedience. Will I proclaim the name of Jesus? The Spirit of God lives within us, guys. And he is sending us in the places where we are. In your homes and to your neighbors, to the places where you work. Jesus has sent us to to schools, to doctor's offices, to businesses, to banks. My brother Aaron has a remodeling business and he is literally in different people's houses throughout the entire city every day of the week. God's already done it. He's mobilized us. We're there with the people. Will we proclaim I think that obedience is kind of that crossroads where we come to. The Holy Spirit is in us. We've been trained. We've been equipped. And we come to this place where we're standing in front of a person and the Spirit's saying, tell them. Tell them about me. They need to know me. And in that moment, we choose, am I going to obey the Spirit's leading in my life or am I going to just be quiet and take the easy way? And that obedience is a hard thing. It's not an easy thing. Perhaps in, in no season, in no, in no time as a church, has the example of Steve and Becky been more needed and more important in our lives. I, I want to take a minute and honor Steve and honor Becky in the way that they have been faithful to follow the calling that Jesus has put on their lives. He has sent them to be pastors here at Brookside and to come and to preach Sunday mornings and, and, and they have not thrown in the towel. You guys know since the death of, of their son Greg that probably this has been the hardest season of their life to just get up and to continue down the path that God has set before them. But they have not given up. They have not thrown in the towel. They have not called it quits even though I'm sure they have wanted to. That obedience is a hard thing. In honor of of Steve and Becky and and their family, I want us to do something. I felt this for a while, that God's wanted us to pray for them as a church. And we did this first service, and and I want to ask us to do it again today. Um, The only way I know how to pray for someone as a church is to do it Dominican style. And what that means is we all pray out loud together. So maybe that's a little cross-cultural for you, Omaha people, and that's fine. But what we're going to do this morning is we're all going to stand up together. So I want you to stand. And I want to ask the guys back in the sound booth and blue shirt people, you know the drill, we did it first service. I know this is uncomfortable, guys. But I want you to take the hand of the people next to you. And this morning, I want us to lift up the Moltemeyer family. I want us to pray for Steve and for Becky and for Nikki. The pain is still real never really goes away, and especially during seasons of Thanksgiving and Christmas, I think it would be incredible for us to pray over them, 
So let's all together, lifting up our voices out loud, all of us at the same time, I want us to pray for the Multimire family, okay? You guys ready? All right, let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would continue to minister and bless to Steve and Becky and Nikki, Lord. We thank you for them. We thank you that through your grace they have continued to carry the flag, Lord, and been obedient to you. We ask you continue to pour out grace upon them to minister to their hearts and their lives, Lord, and carry them through this time, Lord. Give them strength. Give them vision. Lord, we, we lift them up together as, as your church and say bless them and hold them in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. It's something I've always wanted to say. <laughs> you may be seated. I, I really do. I think Steve and Becky's example of obeying in the hard times is incredible as an example for us. And they have been able to obey and been able to continue to go where the Spirit calls them because Jesus obeyed. The obedience of Jesus was an amazing, amazing thing. And we're going to look really quick at the Garden of Gethsemane, the ultimate obedience. So think back to right before Jesus was betrayed and he goes into the Garden or the Mount of Olives and, and he, he takes his closest friends with him, Peter, James, and John, his closest disciples, and he says, please come with me. Please stay awake and pray for me and comfort me. I am... I am in despair, I have sorrow in my heart. Please pray for me. And so Jesus, he goes a little further up, and he falls down on the floor. He falls down on the ground before the Father, and he begins to plead, and he begins to beg. And in the accounts that we have in the Gospels, it talks of the agony and the anguish and the sorrow that was so deep on Jesus it says that, that it feels as if it is crushing him to the point of death. I don't know if you've experienced that type of sorrow, that type of pain, where you feel like you were going to die. It hurts so bad. Luke says that, that his body sweated like big drops of blood. His literal body was so in anguish from his heart. He wanted more than anything else in the world to not go down that path. He knew exactly what the cross entailed. He knew the suffering that awaited him. And he wanted more than anything else to not have to go there. And he begged and he pleaded, Father, Dad, please take this cup from me. Please don't make me go down there. Don't make me go down there. Make another way. I don't want to do this, Father. Three times he asked his father, and three times his father was silent. And Jesus, he fully knew what he wanted in that scene. He knew what his will was, yet he would always circle back to, not my will, but yours be done. He was obedient. He obeyed the Father's will in his life, even when it cost him his own life. Obedience. Jesus obeyed as an example for us, and Jesus obeyed so that that obedience may live inside of us. We can obey. I can obey his leading in my life. You can obey 
his leading in your life, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's hard. And a lot of times it is. A lot of times it is difficult. When he says, share with this coworker, talk to them about me, pray for them. Hey, this guy, he's got a broken body. I want you to pray healing over that broken body. A lot of times where he leads us, it costs us something. It's not easy. But we are faced with this situation of either I'm going to obey where he's leading me or I'm going to do what I want, take the easy road and just stay quiet. Church, I feel like, like we are on the cusp of, of moving into a new place as a body. I feel like God has us kind of standing on this, on this edge, this cliff of going deeper into the depths of knowing him and experiencing him and seeing his glory manifest through our city. But I think it comes down to obedience. Are we willing to obey where the Spirit is leading in our lives? I want to remind you, the Spirit of God lives within you. And the ministry of reaching out to the poor and proclaiming liberty to the captives and freedom to those under oppression, that ministry continues inside of you and inside of me. But tomorrow, when you're facing that person at work or, or at school or at home and you sense the Lord saying, they need to hear this, what will you do? What will you say? What will your reaction be? In closing, I want to ask you to, to stand up one more time. And we're going to be loud one more time. This is your final uncomfortable moment of the morning, I promise. So what we're going to do is read together these scriptures from Luke 4. We're going to read this, these lines from the prophet Isaiah. And I want to challenge you this morning that as we read these together, that, that you're not just saying things with your lips. I want you to read them with the bold conviction that the Spirit of God lives with inside of you and that he has sent you to the people in the places where you interact to proclaim the name of Jesus. We're going to read these together, and this is going to be our closing. I'm not going to pray or say anything else. I just want us collectively to read them. And, and guys, proclaim. Proclaim, okay? Can we do that this morning? All right, so we're going to read together. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor.